Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good evening and welcome to Wrestling Rewind. I am your host, Angel Amoroso, and I am joined by my co-host, the Iron Man, Tommy Cairo. Hey, what's happening, Angel? And tonight on Wrestling Rewind, we are going to get into Wrestling Archives. So another episode of Wrestling Archives, where you get to learn everything about wrestling history. And tonight, we are going to get into the top 100 wrestlers of all time. I took my name out of there. I didn't want to sound like I was bragging. You know, me too. We don't want to sound braggy about it. So (laughs) off we go. Uh, Number one, 100, actually. We're going to go 100 backwards. Eddie Gilbert. So I've said this before. Eddie Gilbert set the tone for smaller wrestling, smaller wrestlers today. He may not have been as creative as Rey Mysterio or Chris Benoit, but he was crafty enough to carve out a great career before his death. And of course, Missy Hyatt wasn't a bad distraction either. So very true. Number 99, Rick Steiner. While Scott Steiner was winning singles titles and being bad, uh, the bad man, he grew into. Rick carved himself out a pretty good career as a singles and tag team wrestler. He was part of Eddie Gilbert's stable in the UWF and later moved to the varsity club with Kevin Sullivan. His character was always one could not make decisions for himself, which played well into the hands of creative teams that tried to make him look dysfunctional. Including the two different boots that he used to wear. Yeah. (laughs) Always uh, cute, right? And then we have Gino Hernandez, number 98, a very popular wrestler in Texas who garnered many regional titles in WCCW and the San Antonio promotions. Hernandez loved the nightlife and loved the boogie obviously, and the wrestling lifestyle. He and Chris Adams were a good young tag team that feuded with the Von Erichs during the early 1980s. And then we have number 97, Ricky Morton. I personally believe he could have been a world champion. A great personality as a member of the Rock and Roll Express uh, Ricky Morton was the lead in his tag team with Robert Gibson. He feuded for a bit with Ric Flair and proved that he could be equally adept at singles matches. Uh, he stuck with the NWA tag team scene and won the NWA world tag team titles four times. So, and then we have Lex Luger. 
a big muscle bound freak who was a good wrestler and a member of the horsemen, but he could not draw as a champion. He spent time in the NWA, WCW and the WWF. Luger was a body with power and not much else. I don't know. I, I don't think I agree with that. I, I, I don't know. I, I was a fan of his, even though I knew he wasn't, well, listen, he, he came through higher hero Matsuda. So I, I don't think he could have been too bad. Yeah, I mean, if, if you could work in Japan, yeah, right. I mean, you're you're trained by you know guy that broke uh, Hogan's arm or leg or whatever. You know, they're not going to let you go out there with uh, saying you were trained by them if you weren't halfway decent. I just think it's the way they used them. Right. You know, these are not and, these are not opinions coming from me. By the way, these are taken oh, from reports that have been collected by polls and and votes and all that stuff. So this is not me saying this. Oh, I know this is from from other sources. So uh, moving on, we get to number ninety five, Abdullah the Butcher. Blood and gore were his specialty. Abby was one of the most feared men in the business and one of the all-time heels. He was an international star who made his money beating made his money beating people up and cut and more importantly cutting them up. The ring was his playground, but honestly, the outside of the ring was his backyard. Abdullah the Butcher. And number 94, Owen Hart. I did not want to leave him off this list. Owen Hart. Could have been a world champion in any wrestling promotion. He also would have been better than brother Bret Hart if he had been able to live up to his full potential. He probably could have been one of the greatest of all time. Yeah. Number 93, Magnum TA. He was scary good, and it would have been only been a matter of time before he was the NWA world champion. He started out in Florida territory and then moved to Louisiana promotion under Cowboy Bill Watts before finding a home in Jim Crockett promotions. Terry Allen was a great Matt wrestler who could also brawl if he needed to. He feuded with the likes of Wahoo McDaniel, Nikita Koloff, and Tully Blanchard and epic feuds that helped him define the course of the NWA in the early 80s. Yeah, he had that accident, and that was it. Yeah, it was great. It was really a tragedy when he got into that car accident because he was right. really at the top of his game at the time, and it was yeah. like, wow, like what a blow. Yeah, they already had him, you know, groomed to, to be NWA World Champion. So, it's a shame. yeah, I remember being a fan at the time and finding out that he got into a car accident because he was actually supposed to perform at the Philadelphia Civic Center the evening of, and oh, wow. when they. They actually performed it, and I, I, you know, I was like maybe eleven years old. I, I cried. Yeah. I, I cried so hard. It was like it, I, I couldn't. That's real. Yeah. It. Right, exactly. Because it because it was real, and everyone said, "Listen, it's not fake." He got into a car accident, so it was very upsetting. Uh, number ninety-two, Ken Patera, former Intercontinental Champion in the WWF. He started working in the AWA and made his uh, way to compete. In the Mitz McMahon senior run promotion, he was a heel who encouraged youngsters to cheat to get their way in life. <laughs> uh, this He was a former Olympian. This was from oh, a yeah. former, former Olympian. Cheat to get your way. Yep. <laughs> Number 91, Kevin Von Erich. David Von Erich was supposed to win the NWA world title, but passed away. Carrie Von Erich won the NWA World Heavyweight title, but it was not his time. 
Kevin Von Erich was the oldest and maybe the most skilled of all of them. Uh, the barefoot boy from Denton, Texas, won the American heavyweight title and feuded with the likes of the Freebirds, Jimmy Garvin, and Gino Hernandez. Uh, his only surviving member of the family was uh, he. Oh, yeah. he is the only surviving Von Erich. So, okay. Number 90, Dean Malenko, the son of famous Boris Malenko. Dean Malenko was one of the greatest mat wrestlers to, to put on a pair of tights. Malenko could beat you in many ways, and all of them meant you were handled by pure a pure wrestling professional. Towards the end of his career, he joined the fame uh, Four Horsemen and will always be known for being a cruiserweight great in WCW. Next, we have number 89, Jimmy Snuka. He was one of the first wrestlers to take to the air. He was a mainstay in the rock and wrestling era in the WWF and feuded with the likes of Roddy Piper. The rumor, rumor was that if Vince McMahon did not get Hulk Hogan to be his main star at the time, McMahon was leaning towards Snuka to carry the torch for the promotion. Uh, well, everyone seemed to see that championship quality in Jimmy Snooker, you know. Yeah, the only problem is he couldn't he couldn't cut promos. That right. Big, right. Big thing. But you know that's what managers were for and yeah, they really sure. should have thought about utilizing him a little bit more to utilize Jimmy Snooker a little bit. All he had to do was make faces, really, you know. Really? Uh number 88 was Ole Anderson. Uh let's see. He was rugged brawler in the NWA who gave the fans a chance to see what pushing wrestling was really all about. Uh, the wizened veteran of the Four Horsemen and a good tag team wrestler, Anderson feuded with Dusty Rhodes and others faced uh, during the height of WCW. And we got in number 87, Bray the Crippler Stevens. He was a partner and advisory of Nick Bockwinkle in the AWA and was a tag team partner of Pat Patterson in the WWF, a punishing wrestler who spent time in the Mid-Atlantic region as well as feuding with the greats in the early 1980s. He used the bombs away, a uh, knee drop off the top rope. And then we got Batista. I have him here for several reasons. He was a good performer, but he was stiff. He was a Goldberg clone. He was not great on the mic, but he was a powerful wrestler, and his feud with Triple H and The Undertaker were dynamic. I don't know. I didn't, I didn't see any of that. So mm -hmm. Can't really judge on it. Number 85, Scott Steiner. Uh, he is now a pile of muscles and little else. When Scott Steiner was in his prime, he was an amazing tag team partner wrestler and a great burst of power and speed. He became too big, too stiff, and too juiced. He cannot speak on the mic, and he is very limited now. Uh, I remember seeing Scott Steiner when he debuted in USWA, Memphis Territory, in like 1988. Yeah. And Lance Russell uh, I quote Lance Russell said he had the personality of a door. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, how he, he still can't work on a mic, but I mean, how he evolved into the personality that he even became was amazing from what you yeah. first saw him as. Pop a so, when he first, that, was, that was great. I mean, 
And it was a shoot for him because he was nasty. So he was just being himself. Yeah, not a nice person at all. So next we have uh, eighty number 84, Playboy Buddy Rose. He was an eight-time champion in the Portland area under Don Owens promotion. He feuded with Roddy Piper and Jay Youngblood. And he was also a former AWA tag team champion with Doug Summers. Number eight. He was another one of those big round guys that, you know, could still like just get around really well, you know? Right. You didn't think he could, he could move the way he was because he had a little portly, but he got his way around. Number 83, Ox Baker. Uh, Baker was one of the meanest men in wrestling. His heart punch appeared to be lethal and was said to be responsible, confirmed or not. Of, resp- of possibly leading to two deaths in wrestling. Uh, just look alone was enough to scare anyone. The man had like the curliest eyebrows. Yeah. That, you know, and people are born with those eyebrows. It's odd. They just freaking Well, grow. either like, that or you never trim them. But here's a guy who, you know, would t- he told me, now, sweetest, sweetest, sweetest guy. I don't think he could swat a fly. And right. He would wear nail polish on his toes red and he told me that was uh like for his wife like to, to stay you know uh, to not so, eat i don't know whatever but that's, that what was told, that's what he told me i don't know if it was true or not. What, what a way to deter someone yeah. now these days it wouldn't matter they expect no. you to have to nail polish number 82 is mike rotunda Uh, He was a great singles competitor out of Syracuse who made a name for himself in the NWA before going to the WWF and assumed his name IRS. Uh, He was also a great tag team with Barry Windham and he joined the varsity club and Kevin Sullivan's brood in WCW. That was probably, I think his best run. I think he was better with Kevin Sullivan's group than, than the IRS thing. The IRS, and they both fit him equally in yeah. character. I think he well, had the character for both of them, but I liked them a little better with Kevin's Hall. Yeah, the varsity club was cool. Absolutely. Number 81, we have Michael Hayes, who is a great performer and loved to talk. <laughs> Hayes always looked like he was uh, eight hours short of sleep and stepped slow in the morning. So, but when he got in the ring and on the screen, he was magic. Teamed with Buddy Roberts and Terry Gordy to form the ultra successful Freebirds, he now works in WWE's office. Well, he wears the weirdest clothes. You ever see what he wears? Absolutely. Hey, the guy is styling you. A lot of. Uh, Caucasian men couldn't pull that look That's off right. like Michael yeah. Hayes. So bravo, Michael Hayes, on your fashion sense, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and in number 80, we have Goldberg. Uh, this will piss people off, but yes, the streak was impressive, and he was a powerful guy who ran through opponents. But he was stiff and ornery and hard to work with, from what people said. And after his 15 minutes of fame, he left the business, and there is talk of uh, him eventually returning. But since he's on that show, the Goldbergs, all the time, as yeah. Goldberg, you know, why would he even want to bother? Exactly. <laughs> you know, for the money and everything. He's a character that actually, you know, did a lot of other things other than wrestling and in entertainment and bravo that he could move on like that and have a personality to be an actor. 
Yeah. Um, and, you know, charisma carries you a long way. It sure does. Number 79, we got Pat Patterson. Uh, he was a WWF first time ever intercontinental champion, disputably. Yeah, right. <laughs> a, great, a great singles competitor who was also a great tag team specialist with Ray Stevens. He is now a talent scout for WWE and probably always will be. No, he's dead, right? Pat Patterson? Yeah, Patterson's dead. I have to second check on that one. I don't I'm know. Pretty, I'm pretty sure. Number 78, Shane Douglas. He was a great competitor in the NWA and ECW. Uh, his biggest claim to fame being a lifelong friend of Mick Foley. And upon winning the NWA title, he declared he did not want to be a champion in that organization and helped to catapult ECW into mainstream wrestling. No one likes what he did with the title. I'll, I'll go out there. I'll put it out there and say it. No one likes what he did. Who is that, Shane Douglas? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that, that, you know, that's the number one rule you don't break. And he should have known better, um, just like you know, other people should have known better. And, you know, for them to even have a place in the business to, to still be talking about it, to me, is, is disgraceful. They should have been thrown out, blackballed. Exactly. I have to get. I have to get back to this. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. More on. More on Shane Douglas. I thought it was a. I thought it was a disgrace, and I. You know, I'm not the only one. I'm. I'm sure we all share that feeling of anyone throwing down a title belt, being as disrespectful as he was. Like just. Yeah, and not only that, Dennis was good to us. I mean, Dennis was was good for wrestling. Uh, you know. So uh, why would you do that to somebody? You know, for what? For what's the purpose? You're utilizing for your GP. Yeah, it's just it's, there's real no no gain in that. It really isn't. Pops for Paul. Yeah, it's just a, their fun. way of playing out their little scene. It has nothing to do with good business, bad business, otherwise. It's just them, you know, playing out their little scene, a little puppet, you know, scene that they got going on. Okay, I think I went to Ole Anderson. Did I, I mentioned Ole Anderson? No. Okay. Oh, yeah, well, yeah, no, you did, you did, yeah. I, I'm pretty sure I did. Yep, you did. All right, Ray Stevens. We didn't get the Ray to Crippler Stevens? Yeah, um, I, I mentioned No, actually, he, we did. Yeah, because I said he did the thing off the top rope. We did. Okay, so I actually... I think you're going was, the wrong way, no? No, no, no. we were, we were oh, on the right, franchise, yeah. Shane Douglas, yep. who threw that title down disrespectfully, number 78, and we are moving on to AJ Styles, number 77. He is a TNA original, first man to hold all three major titles in the company. He has been a heel and a face and true face of the company. Uh, Jeff Jarrett started nine years ago. He is still a main, main attraction and could get another title shot in the TNA world title. For I, think the a, I think AJ's great. I, I always thought he was really, really talented. And then we got the Honky Tonk Man number 76, Wayne Ferris. Gimmick was good. So good it took him to the circus in the WWF. He held the Intercontinental title but never got a shot at the world title. He was known for using the guitar as his weapon in most matches. Yeah. Good guy. Great guy in the locker room. Yeah, why not? Uh, funny guy. 
Yeah. Uh, once told me uh, him and Greg Valentine decided that they thought that I was definitely going to be the next Sherry Martel in history. Right. Biggest compliment go. I probably ever received. Should have been. <laughs> right. So next we have uh, no, number 75, Jimmy Garvin, had a successful stint in Florida and Texas as, singles com- as a singles competitor, but really caught on with the Freebirds. Garvin had a gift for Gab and was a better in-ring performer than people might think. He was great in front of the camera. And Precious didn't hurt either. I'm surprised no, they didn't mention no. her along there. But she was a great manager. And yeah. later on with Kevin Sullivan, also great yeah. with their food there. I thought he did some of his best work with that. Yeah. Uh, next, we have number 74, Big John Studd. He feuded with Andre the Giant before the Hulk Hogan era. He was uh, also a tag team championship wrestler in the 1970s in the WWF. John Studd was everything a heel should be. Big, strong, powerful, and vicious. Uh, do you know who he was? A master, I don't know what they were called, executioners or whatever. It was him under a hood with Killer Kowalski. Okay, yeah, I think I read that somewhere. We'll get to that later, actually. Uh, Then we got number 73, Jeff Jarrett, a second-generation wrestler out of the Mid-South region, won the NWA gold and was a title holder in both WWE and WCW. Jarrett is now in TNA, the brand he helped to create. He is currently the AAA Mexican heavyweight title holder, and his career is odd in that he won uh, on television without a true purpose. I am hoping he leaves the screen soon and helps build the brand he worked hard to establish. Hmm. Yeah, I never got, I never, he's one of those guys for me. This is just personal, you know, because I'm speaking as a fan. So, you know, uh, we, we have people that like certain wrestlers and people that, you know, don't. And yep. I just never, I just never got it. Like to me, I don't think he ever really put any real S's in seats. I, I don't know. Not everyone is for everyone, you know. I don't know. I met Jeff uh, when I was about 12, maybe 13 years old. He was always real encouraging, uh, encouraging guy and, like, you know, great guy, nice guy. Yeah, I Uh, think he probably is better back, like they're saying, go in the back and get these guys prepared because nobody knows better than him. Right, developmental. So sometimes people's best job and where they belong. Number 72, we got the great Muda, possibly the greatest Asian superstar to ever come to the States. I agree. Uh, Muda was quick as lightning fast. Could any, any wrestler, any one at any size, like he held the NWA title before dropping the strap to Barry Windham. And number 71, we got Ron Simmons. He was the first ever African-American WCW World Heavyweight title holder. He was also a mean son of a bitch, strong and powerful. He was a member of uh, Doom with Butch Reed and later a member of APA with Bradshaw. You do not want to cross Ron Simmons. So great guy. Number 70, we got Christian. I know many of you might think that this is a little low. In TNA, he proved to be a great singles wrestler. In WWE, he needed Edge to be great, but he won the world title twice in the last three months of one SmackDown. But this may be the last time we see Christian win uh, with the title around his waist. This might have been a report from a while ago, actually. So. Yeah. 
Okay, so number 69 is Booker T. He was an amazing tag team wrestler as a member of Harlem Heat, which his brother Stevie Ray, uh, as a singles competitor, he won the WCW world title on several occasions. Booker T was pretty good on the mic, and his wrestling was above par. His wrestling was amazing. Yeah, That's I think what he should yeah, say. Very athletic. Very Next, we have number 68, Adrian Adonis, a heel in the AWA and the WWF. He had a success as a singles wrestler, but was best known for his tag team work in the AWA with Jesse Ventura in the East-West Connection. Uh, he was a WWF World Tag Team Champion with Dick Murdoch in the WWF. Uh, he was a, as flamboyant as any wrestler ever. But don't let that fool you. He was also one son of a bitch and mean and evil like the, like the queens of today. Yeah, but so, so talented. I can another say that. One those, another one of those guys who got big around that can still move around. Oh, move like around like you wouldn't believe, right? Do you remember when uh, they made him the undisputed champion in Texas? I think it was like Southwest Championship Wrestling or something. And then... That's when he used to wear the leather jacket and everything. And then uh, I don't know what happened. It just dis- disappeared. So incredible. Yeah. Number 67, Sergeant Slaughter. Uh, he was a heel in the NWA Jim Crockett uh, outfit. Uh, one tough guy who held the Mid-Atlantic heavyweight title, known for his Cobra clutch hold and his patriotism. He took his act uh, to the WWF and became an instant success now works for WWE behind the scenes. Good guy. Never heard a bad word about Sergeant Slaughter. No, nope. I remember hearing when I first started working that he was getting 1500 on an indie show. I was like, what? I thought that was so wow. much money, you know. But maybe it really. well worth it. Yeah. Uh, and then number 66, we have the big show. Uh, Paul Wright was a former basketball star in college who loved pro wrestling. He was billed as the son of Andre the Giant because of his massive size and look. Won the WCW world title and joined the NWO before moving over to the WWE where he has won singles and tag team gold. Still a menace in the ring for someone of his size. Yeah, unlike Andre, he got to the point where he couldn't move. Uh, Big Show looks like he can still move, and he tries to keep himself in shape. So that's that's yeah, plus. absolutely. Uh, we learned from the past, you know. Yeah. You got to keep himself in shape so he doesn't collapse like Andre. Yeah. So number sixty-five, we got Jesse Ventura. Jesse was as known for his mouth as he was his ability. Actually, he may never have been a better talker. He was limited in some areas, but he had a great look. His tag team partner, Adrian Donis, was talented and could bring it at any amount. He is a legend for his mouth, his feud with Hulk Hogan, and the fact that he was the governor of Minnesota. I still love the commentary with him and Girl of Monsoon. Blatant chokehold, and then Jesse was, I didn't see no chokehold, Gorilla. I just, I, I just waited for those moments. They were so awesome. 
always the best in commentary. I love yeah. to hear Jesse. Still love to hear him ramble on about just about yeah, anything. Yeah. <laughs> we got number 64, Ivan Koloff. The Canadian-born wrestler was a bear of a man, undersized and as tough as anyone. The former WWF world champion took his act to the NWA and became a tag team success. He teamed with his nephew, Nikita, to become a tremendous tag team specialist. He in, his interviews were good, although sometimes you could not understand him. But that was the whole point because he was supposed yeah. to be a, with a broken accent. Uncle yeah. Ivan did the best promos. He did. He was awesome. <laughs> so he and then a small was, guy either. He was no every bit of five ten two. He was two sixty when I wrestled. Yeah, but you know, stocky, yeah. real stocky and muscular, very strong. And then number sixty three, we got Bruiser Brody. A man whose legacy has gotten greater well after his death. Brody was one of the meanest SOBs in the business and an independent wrestler if there ever was one. He traveled to Texas and Florida where, uh, and other promotions and worked internationally. He was a wild card who could work only if he liked the promotion and the outcome uh, for him was profitable. So uh, there's a lot of great things we could say about Bruiser Brody and yeah. tragic how he met his death. I mean, just such a horrible story. But uh, that, that's another story to get into. Number 62, we have Kevin Sullivan. Uh, the Taskmaster was one of the best at playing mind games with his opponents before matches. I always said Satan wore purple tights in the ring and Kevin Sullivan best exemplified that. His darker satanic following also led to numerous feuds with Dusty Rhodes and Barry Windham in Florida, as well as feuds with Mike Graham. He also managed the likes of Mike Rotundo, Rick Steiner, Steve Williams, Jake Roberts, and Purple Haze. Yeah, Kevin, something else, boy. And the sweetest guy in the world. Yeah, known Kevin for a long time. Great yeah. guy. Number 61, Carlos Colon, another international star who helped promote wrestling in Puerto Rico. Colon helped build the World Wrestling Council and its champions in his homeland. He wrestled Ric Flair on several occasions, even beating the former NWA champion. But the title never changed hands, and the victory for Colon was never recognized by the NWA. I remember all the knockdown, drag-out fights that he had with Rick Martel that yeah. were Probably, I mean, probably the bloodiest feuds in Puerto Rico at the time. Just one of the worst, awesome. of the worst bar heads in history, too. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know why? Either guys either go down or they go across. He did both. He's got like a checkerboard. Right. <laughs> it's like cross, cross, cross. <laughs> and next we have a number sixty giant Baba. Shoshi Baba helped to build the legacy of Japanese wrestling. As a three-time NWA champion, he was also one of the more, most feared big men in wrestling. Baba, six foot ten, had a drop kick that was lethal, and he was a barefoot wonder who moved with great speed for his size. Another, you know, not fat guy, but big guy who you would yeah. think, oh, he's so tall that it's going to hinder him, and. It didn't affect him one bit. No. Probably actually made him more impressive and better at you know as a visual. And number fifty nine, we got Kevin Nash, the other half of the Outsiders. Nash was tall, powerful, and when talked, he bellowed. 
as a WWF wrestler, Diesel, he won WWE gold, and then he moved over to WCW. He won tag team title gold with Scott Steiner and the WCW title, as well as part of the NWO, NWO, also known as the Booker and part of the WCW creative team. Number 58, we got Dr. Death Steve Williams, a great amateur wrestler who was also a brawler. He could mix it up with everyone, spent time in Bill Watts' territory, and then thrived, then moved to WCW where he joined the Varsity Club with Kevin Sullivan. He never backed down from a challenge. Now, him and Terry Gordy, they didn't mention there, but very big in Japan, highly respected in Japan, made a lot of money on if Terry Gordy's not on his list, I'll spit on my own floor. Yeah. <laughs> we got number 57, Tully Blanchard, the fourth member of the original Four Horsemen. Blanchard was cool, cocky, and sure of himself. He was great either as singles competitor or as a tag team partner for Arn Anderson. His feud with Dusty Rhodes was one of the best ever feuds in the NWA. Uh, the ones I, I remember the most, actually, is he was managed by Dark Journey at one point, and then J.J. Dillon, and we had the great feud. Number 56, Vader. He was tough as they come. Leon White became a menace in WCW and in wrestling in general, a WCW world champion and a known brawler in the business. He carved out a decent career after his days were over in the NFL. Yeah, big in Japan also. Could you imagine seeing a guy like that barreling at you down a field with a foot? You know, you got the football in your hands, and and here he comes. He had, <laughs> so, a, great, he had a great reputation until uh, a, a, a almost a one armed, uh, you know, flip flop wearing uh, Paul Orndorff knocked him silly. <laughs> all right. So, and then number fifty five, we have Wahoo McDaniel. Uh, he had the hardest chops in the business. Uh, Wahoo McDaniel was a hard-nosed old-school wrestler who helped make Ric Flair a champion and a legend. McDaniel worked works uh, was known as no-nonsense wrestler who won many regional titles in the Carolinas in his prime. So yeah, when he would chop someone's chest, you would hear oh, yeah. it no in the nosebleeds, man. Uh, number 54, Ray Mysterio, the smallest giant in wrestling. Mysterio was a proven commodity when he came to WCW and was a cruiserweight champion in that promotion. He won the hearts of fans worldwide when he won the world title in the WWE and continues to be a main attraction everywhere he goes. Uh, Ray also in ECW, I think where he gained most of his fame when he came yeah. directly from AAA when he was just a child and uh, then started for ECW and just was a huge star there even before WCW. So uh, when you're you know, that good, you can be that small. <laughs> exactly. Uh, number 53, Greg Valentine, a man who was a hard worker in the mold of his father, Johnny Valentine. Valentine was a great NWA wrestler feuding with Rod Rowdy Roddy Piper, amongst others. And he was an intercontinental champion in the WWF as well. Yep. Number 52, Carrie Von Erich. He had the wrestling world at his feet. That's kind of mean. Yeah. Uh, at his foot. He had the wrestling world. Oh, 
Oh. Now that's meaner. Did, <laughs> I, I talked to you. Say that? I said it. Oh, okay. <laughs> I said it. I'm sorry. Von Eric was the NWA world title out of respect for his late brother, David. He was a world-class athlete and a champion in world-class championship wrestling and an intercontinental champion in the WWF. His drug use and poor decisions led to his suicide. Oh, what could have been, Carrie Car- Car- Von yeah. Eric? But Number I'll tell you something. Uh-huh. Having that prosthetic leg until somebody pointed out oh. to you. You I would never know. Think about that. How, you would have never No. Yeah, how do you walk down the aisle not looking like you got a fake leg or foot, let alone work in the ring? And I didn't see anything diminished about his capabilities at all. Not at all. Just incredible. Incredible. Yeah. So that's when you're a good wrestler, you know, you're able to hide oh, stuff with certain that in itself is amazing to me. Amazing. amazing. Number 51, we got JBL. John Bradshaw Layfield was one bad man. First, as a member of the APA, he was a brutal tag team combination with Ron Simmons. As a singles wrestler, he was brutal as heel who would, uh, he won the world heavyweight title and proved that he was one of the most hated men in all of wrestling and might've been more because of his locker room tactics than his wrestling, but might've also been because of his stiff ass wrestling from what I understand. I heard a a, a lovely story (laughs) that Joey Styles smacked the crap out of him. Oh, is that so? Good for Joey. Joey weighs like 160 pounds. Now, I hope this wasn't over any kind of sexual harassment that he was being accused of because, you know, for I, Joey being a little guy, you know, yeah, it's for, you Joey, know. for Joey standing up for himself. Number 50, we have the Iron Cheeky Baby. And he had just as much to do with uh, ushering in Hulkamania as anyone. He was defeated by Hulk Hogan after the Iranian champion beat Bob Backlund. Big, strong, and lots more powerful than most people think. The barrel-chested wrestler was great at selling for his opponents throughout all the years. And Shiki Baby still alive and at it with his yep. and everything. The A to the Z. <laughs> yep. Number 49 is Mr. Stan Hansen. The Lariat was one of the toughest men to get into the ring, a popular wrestler in the Orient and former AWA champion. Uh, his running Larry was one of the hardest finishing moves in professional wrestling. I took a Larry, but not from him. <laughs> Number 48 is Chris Benoit, a great cruiserweight who won the gold on in both WCW and the WWE. Benoit was known for his quick moves and powerful takedowns. He battled bigger men and beat them with his strength and determination. He died too soon to know his true greatness in the ring. Well, that that was his fault. Yeah. He died too soon. Like I said, I didn't write this. I'm I'm just reading it. So some of these opinions, they're not mine. I'm just spouting them out. Number 47 is Pedro Morales. He was one of the best in the WWF, a former Triple Camp Crown winner and tag team specialist. He also captured the WWF world title. Uh, he was crowned favorite in his era when he and Bruno San Martino reigned supreme in the wrestling promotion. Yeah, as a matter of fact, um, he had a lot of sellouts. You know, back to back right after Bruno, People wouldn't uh, maybe expect it, but he had 
as loyal uh, Hispanic uh, and mixed Italian sure. following as Bruno had Italian. So, you know, the Hispanics sure. and the Italians were all living together. All so together, right. Yeah, so that that string of, um, you know, sellouts continued. Pedro had quite a few of them. I don't, they don't say how many, but I remember reading it somewhere. Um, it's not often stated, but yeah, he was he was right up there. And then we got number 46, Randy Orton. The third generation star is getting better. He is uh, learning to sell more for his opponents. He is learning to be better uh, on the mic. And he will be a world champion again. This obviously was some time ago. Uh, number 45, Kane. The other man from the underworld. He is such a great performer. Glenn Jacobs has become this character. Uh, a man who can stand on the top rope at his size and his speed and agility. And even in his forties, he can still, uh, you know, hold the title, be, be a title contender. Yeah. But now I guess he won't since he's the mayor of tenant. What is yeah. it? So he won't be doing that right now. <laughs> However, uh, number 44, we got Mick Foley. I'll be professional. Uh, hey, Parley, he parlayed different characters into world title holders. I am not a real fan because I think he is a cartoon character piece of shit who transformed himself into a wrestler. But his love for hardcore wrestling and his fan appeal made him great. Uh, as his ability on the mic helped him out. But he's still a piece of crap in my eyes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I'm going to go out there and say you're a piece of shit. Uh, number 40, yeah. 43, Eddie Guerrero. Lie, it's cheat. Show. Say whatever we want. That's right. Uh, that was Latino Heat. Lie, cheat, and steal. Eddie was fantastic in the ring. He and Rey Mysterio brought back then a love for luchador wrestling to the mainstream of the WWE. He was the world champion and was gone from the ring way too soon. And I think we all agree on the loss of Eddie Guerrero being very tragic. Yeah. Number 42, Edge. He could do it all. A great tag team wrestler with Christian and a multiple title winner on his own. Known as a good mic man and a terror in the ring with his spear. He retired due to injuries way too soon. Number 41, we got Scott Hall, an enigma in wrestling circles. He was a singles wrestler in the AWA and Florida. He was also a world tag team champion in the AWA with Kurt Henning, a big, strong, and good-looking guy who traveled the WWF and became Razor Ramon and feuded with Shawn Michaels. He left the WWF and traveled the WCW and became part of the greatest invasion story in the wrestling history, the NWO. Hell's, let's see, Hall's demons have been the only thing that has held him back in wrestling. I don't think anything's held him back, actually. I don't know what they're talking about. Yeah, I guess just the public part of his, uh, you know, addiction, maybe they're referring yeah. to. that. Maybe that Everybody's got stressful. problems, but, you yeah. know, he's always on top, always yeah. a good worker, you know, and always had a great spot. So yeah. being held back, I don't know about that. Uh, number 40, we got Tito Santana, Mercedes Solis, never had a bad match ever. 
He was a great tag team specialist and an Intercontinental Championship holder. Never made it to the top of the WWF, but he was a crowd favorite. I don't know how they're saying he never made it to the top yeah. if he's the Intercontinental Champion, a real one, by the way. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Back Tito. It's still working. Tito Santana yeah. still working in 2022. Yeah. Uh, number 39, Chris Jericho. He is uh, one of those guys that just needed the right push to get started. As a champion in the WWE, he is more than anything a great mic man and a Roddy Piper-like performer. He can do so many things off the ropes and on the mat. He is hopefully going to make his return soon, as he has in AEW, as I understand. Yeah, Looks a little bit like Glenn Osborne. For some reason, yeah, and his body, something happened. I mean, everybody, you know, but he, well, he, he, yeah, he got old. Is what happened. You know, he's one of those guys. There's a phenomenon. Kofi Kingston has it. A couple guys have it. Uh, after a certain amount of time, something happens to their chest, and they they, they lose their chest. Um, it's been a subject that I, I've I've seen on on YouTube. So odd. Yeah, apparently there's quite a few people that have it. Huh. It's like a the sunken thing. I, yeah. I I know what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah I think, matter so, of fact, I think Scott Steiner has it. Right. Right. Okay. And then number thirty eight, we got Bob Backlund, the last real hero before Hulk Hogan era in the WWF. Backlund did not want to let go of the strap he earned. A great wrestler who was an accomplished amateur wrestler. He was also one of the last great technical wrestlers in the WWF. So. Yeah, he's and one Bob of those guys that, still working, yeah, right? But he's one of those guys that had a hard time separating the fact that he could beat almost any of these guys, and then he had to lay down. So I mean, it's part of the business, right? But great guy, great worker, great and guy. you know, always staying great shape, great gimmick, yeah. still working. I saw him on a talk show not too long ago for something. I don't know. It was hysterical. Super but, uh, intelligent, also very smart. Oh, very smart. And then with number 37, we have Rick Martel, uh, wrestled in the AWA, WWF, and WCW, a former AWA world champion. He was a good-looking, skilled, and could out-wrestle anyone. He was just that good, Rick Martel, uh, as we talked about earlier in, yep. you know, the, the Puerto Rico was just a, the most hardcore friggin' brawler yep. ever. And number 36, we got Rick Rude. He may have been the most underrated wrestler of all time. Rude was uh, size, strength, great ethic, and the best body in the business. Uh, men hated him. Women wanted to be him. And he was a uh, Kurt Henning-like. That's what they said. I don't know. Uh, number 35, Paul Orndorff. He is another one of those wrestlers who went to the WWF and was held back by the Hulk Hogan error. I disagree. He was a tremendous wrestler in the NWA and then in the yep. WWF and was a classic heel who fought Hulk Hogan and teamed with Roddy Piper in the first WrestleMania. I think he could have been a better WWF champion who could have carried the, carried the company. Probably. It was uh, more believable, more intense, where Hogan had that more of a kind of goofy, you know, promo. Just a bigger guy at the time, yeah. you know, time, place. Uh, number 34, we got superstar Billy Graham. The Pythons, the attitude and all around power. That is what Billy Graham was known for. A habitual steroid user. He was plagued after his ring days and spoke openly about his, how the drugs affected his body. 
uh, it's trying to discourage people, which I thought was a great thing for him to do. Yeah. Number 33, we got Jerry Lawler. He could do just about anything and usually did uh, and usually still does. Uh, no one in Memphis was a popular was as popular as Lawler, except for maybe Elvis. As champion in the AWA and a regional title holder, Lawler helped to create CWF and the Southwest Territory with Tojo Yamamoto and Jerry Jarrett. He still wrestles from time to time on the indie circuit. Uh, his son Kevin Lawler runs a promotion, and uh, you know, still he works for WWE. Yeah. And- Local independent circuits. It's true. Uh, number thirty-two, Brandon, Bruno San Martino. He was a WWF and WWF d- during his eight-year reign as champion. The Northern crowd identified with the working-class persona of San Martino, who won over the fans and feuded with the likes of Billy Graham, Ivan Koloff, and Big John Studd. One of your hero. right. One of your favorites, Bruno San Martino. Yeah. Then we have number 31, Larry Zabisco, rough and rugged and always with a scowl on his face. I think that was just his face. (laughs) That is how you remembered Larry Zabisco. He was a great protege, Bruno San Martino, who eventually turned on his mentor. And he was also a great performer in the AWA and spent time in WCW as a wrestler and commentator, which was, you know, pretty good you know, his time and age. And number 30, we got Ted DiBiase. He was a great regional performer in the NWA in Louisiana territory. He was an amazing performer in the WWF as the million dollar man. Uh, His legacy as a heel or face was, you know, cemented by his character in the WWF as he feuded with Dusty Rhodes. When he came to WCW as the manager of the NWO, he became popular again. I don't, Again, I don't think he was ever not popular. No, no. Always on top. Number 29, Triple H. He rose to fame in WWE after being let go by WCW. Big mistake. He is known for his intimidation and his power. As a member of DX and Evolution, he was the leader, the standard, and one of the reasons the Attitude Era worked so well in WWE. Next, we have number 28, Barry Windham. I think if circumstances were different, Barry Windham would have been the best world champion ever in the NWA. I agree. Uh, tall, lanky, and ultra-talented, the son of Black Jack Mulligan. He rose to fame in the Horsemen and even held the NWA title. He could have been even better. He had the Western States Heritage title. Yeah. TV title, he had the world title. I mean, he did have a lot of titles. And, yeah. you know, Barry Windham, absolutely, the whole Windham family, yeah. like just Very talented. filled with talented wrestlers. Number 27, the fabulous Moolah. If you get a title for over 30 years, then you get a spot on this list. Moolah was the standard for female wrestling, period. She beat opponents after opponents. And when she lost to Wendy Richter at WrestleMania, an error ended in women's wrestling that can never be captured again. Not unless they give somebody else the title for 30 years. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think that'll happen. Every week it changes, right? Number 26, Jake Roberts. If Jake Roberts had been seen the entire time he was wrestling, think of what could have been 
poor Jake. A good in-ring performer in the NWA is a tag team partner, Barry Windham, a trip to Florida that led him to an alliance with Kevin Sullivan, and then a trip to WWF where he wielded a snake and made millions. I think he's uh, still in recovery. He went to that DDP years ago, and uh, last I saw, uh, I think it was fairly recent, he looked fantastic. Well, Roberts left the demons uh, to get him, and they turned to took him away from his fortune, his soul, and his ability. He could have been better than he was. But as you said, he's recovering. Yeah. He's doing the DDP yoga and all that yeah. program that all the guys jump on. So hopefully, you know, Jake will hang in there a long yeah. time. He's had a tragic past, tragic family, yeah. you know, a lot to deal with personally and, you know, wishing him all the best. Number 25, we got John Cena. I don't like the vanilla of his character or the fact that uh, he continuously gets the WWE title, but 10 titles, you cannot deny what he has done for the business and the WWE brand. I'm hoping the WWE creative team will work on giving his character an edge and maybe a heel turn if he was a leader of the conspiracy that would so rock. I don't know how long ago that would have been. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know even though what the conspiracy is. Some of this stuff is pretty old, but, you know, bear with us. Well, Number 24. I think the fact is we we don't know about it because we really don't It's Wrestling it. Rewind, so yeah. we're rewinding here. It could be from any time. Yeah. Number 24, Ricky Steamboat. He was a WCW world champion. Steamboat was a great showman and consummate wrestler in the 1980s and 90s as he pursued Intercontinental Champion uh with his feud with Randy Savage was one of the best ever. And his feud over the years with Ric Flair is one of the 10 best ever. Remember those one hour time matches that he used to have coming out with his wife and his child and the dragon on a leash and just amazing stuff. You would never expect to see that kind of stuff, but him and Ric Flair really put it on. So number 23, Bret Hart, the best there is, the best there was, the best there ever will be. Hart was a great tacticianer. Uh, He was a triple crown winner in the WWF and one of the most famous favorite wrestlers of all time. Number 22, Steve Austin, the breaking of the glass is all you needed to hear. Uh, brash and bold. He came to the ring with a purpose. He beat the hell out of his boss and made the fans follow him as an anti-hero. Excellent. Uh, Excellent. Some have tried to replace him, but no one ever will replace Steve Austin. Let me just say that he was the best character that they had. And um, no no one will ever beat Steve Austin. No, and um, well, Dr. D. David Schultz had that gimmick in the WWF, I don't know how many years ago. So he really took it to the next level. A little bit more uncontrolled, though, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then we have number 21, Terry Funk, one of my favorites. He was a successful NWA champion, a heel, and loved man in the Orient. He feuded with Ric Flair, Giant Baba, Dusty Rhodes, and Jack Briscoe. And when that was not enough... 
Funk strengthened his legend as a hardcore wrestler, and he still wrestles from time to time. He was uh, the ECW champion and very famous in Eastern Championship Wrestling and Extreme Championship Wrestling later on, and uh, maybe not still active. Uh, We've heard a few stories about Terry Funk and always sending him our prayers and blessings. Number 20, we have Nick Bockwinkle a great wrestler who was named Nemesis of Vern Gagne. He was also successful in WWF and was world champion in Greg Gagne's promotion. Bachwinkle once said he raises his arm, everything he hears someone count to three. He So he raises his arm instinctively every time he oh. hears someone count. <laughs> as, a, as a wrestler, that's I, I think a lot of people do that. That's pretty good. Number 19, Rowdy Roddy Piper. Hot Rod was a favorite as a heel or a face, both in NWA and WCW. Roddy Piper had huge feuds with Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair, Ricky Steamboat, and Jack Jack Briscoe over the years. The best thing about Piper was his ability to talk and make sense of everything he said, regardless if it did not make sense at all. (laughs) So Roddy Piper, uh, definitely definitely a favorite should probably be number one on that list really yeah. number 18 we got andre the giant maybe the most popular wrestler ever in the wrestling business who could not love andre he was the biggest the strongest man ever to be in a ring and when he wrestled the greatest friggin matches of all time it only made his legend that much bigger nobody will ever be as greater or as larger and in life than Andre ever was Um, all the funny stories about Andre. We could get into another time. Number 17 sting. The icon is still in great shape. A world championship in WCW and TNA sting has relied on many personas over the years to reinvent himself and keep his fresh in, in, keep himself fresh in the minds of the fans. Sting is better as a face, but he played the heel role on different occasions in WCW and then in TNA. He is moving towards the end of uh, the career, but still looks like he could teach the younger generations a thing or two. Sting also moved into acting. He did that for a little while, which I don't think was very successful for him, but at least he took a jab at it. Real religious yeah. guy you know, was known for ratting out all the other guys on the road that cheated on their wives. Uh, But, you know, him and Lex Luger, religious guys. So they kept themselves uh, still active. Number 16, Arn Anderson. Not many can say that they were better than Ric Flair. This may have been the case with Arn Anderson. As a running mate in the Horsemen, Arn Anderson held more of his own in the ring as a singles and a tag team champion. He gave a better interview and he was just as talented and could have carried the NWA if he was just given the opportunity. I don't believe that at all. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, he had a very physical, uh, aggressive style, but, you know, with that, like, balding head and, you know, he should have shaved his head or something. If he would have always kept uh, J.J. Dillon there, maybe he would have been good because, honestly, his mic skills, as much as he talked, very stale. Very stale. Although I I have my own harshness against Arn Anderson, but I don't think he carried shit. 
Number 15, we got Kurt Henning, the son of Larry the Axe Henning and father of Mike McGillicuddy. Henning was in a class to himself. He was a former AWA world champion and a former world tag team champion with Scott Hall. Henning was perfect in his style, both as a heel and a face, and he is missed as a superstar in the business. Shame. Next, uh, number 14, The Undertaker. He never gets old in the mind of the wrestling fans. Undertaker has been dealing with health issues, and it's not noon when his return will happen, but we hope that it will be at a WrestleMania. The Undertaker's ability to take the unknown and make it as real as possible, as well as his dark side, make him appealing to fans of all ages. His character will never be duplicated, although his character is a duplicated character. Yes. <laughs> but we won't get into that. Ring, ring entrance, though. Yeah, unbelievable. A lot of people we know were, uh, you know, carried him out to the ring and carried his caskets out to the ring rather number 13 dusty Rhodes. he is just as known for his ring performance as he's known for his mind and some of the greatest things he has created in the nwa dusty Rhodes was the white man everyone could identify with the son of plumber and the man who fought the villain and won on many occasions rick flair said he always thought of dusty as the ultimate face and he was the ultimate heel in the business. If you will. If you will. <laughs> Number 12, Vern Gagne. He started his own wrestling promotion mainly because he did not like the politics of the business, which is why most people start. And a star was born, Vern Gagne, king around Minnesota and the Great Lakes area. He brought the Road Warriors, Ric Flair, and Hulk Hogan, and he trained some of the greatest wrestlers in the business. Great guy, real, real nice guy. But you know, I listen. It's okay if you keep putting yourself over as long as it, it's popular. And they never turned on the fans. They never let him down. So he stayed on top. And number eleven, we have The Rock, the most electrifying uh, wrestler in the world. Yes, that is The Rock. And although he has been away from the business for numerous round of years, he is still one of the most popular wrestlers to ever grace the ring. The son of Rocky Johnson, he was born into the business, and when he returns to the ring, he will be electrifying again. Number ten, we got Kurt Angle. Debated if you will, but Kurt is the best pure wrestler ever to be in the business as a face or a heel. He has won multiple titles in WWE and then TNA. His current quest for Olympic gold at 43 years old proves that he can still get done at top levels. So it's, it, I wonder it works with a broken neck. How do you do that? Right. Right. I wonder now what has happened to my screen. Uh, I don't bear- know. For a moment, we were almost there too. Yeah, bear with me for a moment while I just get on us for a second, and I'm going to get back to that. But so far, what do you think of this list, Tommy? Well, Who do you I, think I, we I, haven't I, gotten to that we need to get to? Well, listen, maybe that's a cliffhanger. We'll start off. Nah, nah, we we still got we still got a few more minutes, and I'm yeah, pretty I sure would, that I would I say that. I would hope that uh, there's going to be some names coming up that I, I was expecting, but we're getting pretty uh, close to the end here. Yeah, uh, you know. Well, like you said, who knows who made the list? The guy could be psychotic. Exactly. <laughs> Trying to get there, and we're getting there. 
I, I think that they they covered uh, maybe not enough of the gotch error or the golden yeah. error exactly. and errors that I would have really liked to have heard, you know, who their their best was back in in those errors. And yeah. maybe we'll we'll get to those another time because they're you know the top one hundred, there's a lot. Yeah. And let's see, we were on ninety what? I'm not really sure. Did we get the giant Baba? Yes, no, we did. We did, yeah. Yeah. Kevin Nash. Yes. Yep. Okay. So this is what I what I'm going through right now. Just looking to get back in our spot. Sometimes this happens when you're filming and it's like, you know, yeah. it's film time. But we like to get people informed in who the wrestlers were of the past and who's considered the top one hundred and uh, you know, just different facts about wrestling that you probably you know, should know before yeah. watching it or maybe even getting into it as a wrestler or performer, you know, oh, you should, sure. everyone should know these facts. So we did get to Eddie Guerrero and edge. I'm going to take this back to the share screen in a moment. So we can get to where we are. Let me get back to the share screen so that people could see what we're seeing here. We got the Rick oh, yeah. Rude. Yeah, oh, Orndorff. And We're down to like I think twelve or thirteen. Billy Graham and getting there as quick as we can. <laughs> Not all of us have the best connections, uh, so think? we work with what we have to bring you the best in wrestling. Rewind. We're taking you back by taking you back, right. digging up those archives. Yeah. So do we? We got to Sting. Arn Anderson, Kurt Henning, The Undertaker, yep. Dusty Rhodes, and we're getting close. Number 11, The Rock. The Rock yep. Number 10, Kurt Angle. Yep. And we're back. Number 9, Randy yep, Savage. Yep. Macho Man was as good on the mic as he was in the ring. The NWA star moved over to WWF and was instantly a success. His character, whether face or heel, was loved by fans and all ages. His love for Miss Elizabeth and subsequent marriage made everyone shed a tear. I don't know. I thought he was kind of abusive, to be honest. Yeah, I don't know how he was backstage. Well, they know they said for sure he used to lock her so away somewhere in, in, in the you know in the building. So he must have been a little nutty. Right, very protective. Number eight, we have Buddy Rogers. He was the original nature boy. Buddy Rogers was flamboyant in the fact that he played the role to perfection, even challenging the current nature boy, Ric Flair, over the title, The Real Nature Boy. Uh, number seven, we got Shawn Michaels. Maybe this is where uh, more debate happens. Michaels could have been a great match with he could have had a great match with just about anyone. He was just as a flamboyant wrestler uh, who won a triple WWF triple crown. He is also the man to make Ric Flair retire. Number six, we got Luthez. Here comes some nice. guys. The man that set the tone for the NWA and its success. Not many people could say that. And they were better. They are better than Luthez. No one could say they were better than Luthez, probably. Uh, his Thez press is duplicated over and over again by wrestlers, most notably Steve Austin. Quite an honor for the all-time great. 
Number five, we got Dory Funk Jr. He is one of the first time true Matt men ever saw in person. Funk was a great tacticianer and tactician, and he held the NWA title and was the fan favorite in Japan with his brother, Terry. The great thing about Funk was that he continued to go on about his business, whether he was a face or a heel. Next, we have number four, Jack Briscoe. He was a gentleman outside the ring as well as represented as a true champion of the NWA. There weren't many wrestlers with Briscoe's amateur credentials, and he feuded with the likes of Ric Flair, the Funks, Harley Race, and Roddy Piper in the 1970s and 1980s. Uh, next, we have number three, Harley Race. There weren't many men tougher than Harley Race. A seven-time world champion and the heart and soul of Missouri territory, Race was what wrestling would, was meant to be, about beefy guys who were tough enough and beat the daylights out of each other day after night after night. Ric Flair said Harley Race was one of the toughest wrestlers to ever be in the business. Pretty high praise from Ric Flair. Uh, Number two was Hulk Hogan. He's the greatest performer the wrestling business has known, arguably. He is the champion and true legend. He took wrestling and made it the entertainment deal that it is today. And Vince McMahon owes much of his success to the success of the immortal one, Hulk Hogan. Number one we round down to Ric Flair. Could there be anyone else at the top of the list? A 16-time yes. world heavyweight champion, member of the Four Horsemen, member of Evolution, and the dirtiest player in the game. While Hulk Hogan made himself bigger than the business, Ric Flair was the business. Uh, end of discussion. Yeah. So, I'll leave it at that. Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure with... You know, that was a top 100. Uh, We could have thrown many names into there that we could think of that probably would have been better. But that's one spin on it so that people get a little education of the wrestlers of the past that uh, in polls were considered to be the top 100 wrestlers of all time. Well, they have Ruth Edge right up there, so I can't argue with that. At least uh, that was correct. And and a lot of others, you know, appreciated seeing in there. So we hope you've enjoyed this episode of Wrestling Archives, Wrestling Rewinds, Wrestling Archives with myself and Tommy Cairo. And we hope you join us back next Sunday at 7 p.m. on YouTube on Monty and the Pharaohs Network. Uh, Please like, share, and subscribe over there. Uh, And again, Join us back next time for myself, Angel Amoroso, and my co-host, Tommy Cairo. Have a great night and a great life. Good night.